This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. So we're, we're looking at the theme this week of going and making disciples. So I have some questions for you. When does this thing of making disciples, when does it begin? Have you ever thought about that? Is it when a person gets saved? Maybe it's uh, then that we start trying to disciple them. Maybe it's when they come to church or join the church. Is that when we start to disciple someone? I want you to turn in your Bibles to Jude, if you would. Jude 22. You see, if we're going to disciple anyone, we have to see people through the eyes of Christ. We can't maybe necessarily look at people like we would normally because, wow, that person looks weird. Right? Or, you know, I, I don't want to get too close to them. Or, you know, what branch of the military they were in or something. I don't know. But we have to be able to reach people. You know, um, in Jude 22, the Bible says, And of some have compassion making a difference. And you may have heard, that we, we have a lot of new people in our church, and so... You're going to get a little bit of the same stuff maybe this week that you maybe you've already heard. But, you know, just for those that haven't heard, you know, as a police officer, I, I kind of, I'm straightforward with, with people. And so I stopped this lady one time and for window tent. And, and don't judge, okay, until you hear the end, okay? So I stopped this lady for her window tent and I gave her a ticket. I, I went up to the, to the window and your license and registration please the reason why I stopped you is for your window tent she gave me her license and registration and I went back and I wrote her a ticket and I come back up and I'm okay so your court date's this day right here I need you to sign by the line sign by the line it's not a uh, mission to guilt it's promise to prepay or that you show up I said it all and once I said it all she says no I'm English and I said well that's too bad because we live in America and the going language is English about a week or so later my boss is calling me, and he says, Mike, I got a question for you. I said, go ahead, Sarge, whatever you want, man. He says, did you just recently stop a lady for window tent? Or did you recently stop someone for window tent? I said, could you be more specific? I, I, I stop a lot of people for window tent. He said, this was a, a Hispanic lady. I said, could you be more specific? I stop a lot of Hispanic people. He says, this one you said, it's too bad that you don't speak English because we're going language in America is English. I said, sorry, can you be more specific? I said, everybody that I stop that says they don't speak English, I say the same thing. He says, Mike, well, this one went to internal affairs. I said, oh, that one. I said, yes, I did it. He said, well, she went and made a complaint. And I said, how did she go to make a complaint? 
if she didn't speak English. He said, well, her daughter did. And her daughter went to internal affairs for her. I said, that sounds great, Sarge, but she was the only one in the car. He said, basically, Mike, it's your word against hers. I said, oh, I did it. Don't get me wrong, I did it. Fast forward, that was in 2010. 2011, we go to Bolivia. And uh, we're, we're, we're in church, and the songs are somewhat the same. Just different words, right? And so we're, we're, we're standing there in church, and they're singing, glory to his name. And I'm singing it in English. Just, you know, kind of like under my breath, you know, like some of y'all do. And so I'm singing, glory to his name. And it's just like somebody came up behind me, tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, you're in Bolivia. And the going language is Spanish. My next verse went something like, a su nombre gloria, a su nombre gloria, que maravilla Jesus Señor, a su nombre gloria. You see, I still believe everybody that comes to the United States should speak English. But there's a different compassion now than there was before I went to Bolivia. And God used that to speak to my heart. Because we don't know what the reason was that those folks got in the situation that they're in. I want us to take a look at this verse tonight. I want to look closer at a couple of the words here. Specifically, the word some. And of some have compassion making a difference. Well, who are the some? How about those that are unable to care for themselves like you and I? You see in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 6, the Bible says, and when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. And she had compassion on him. We should consider not only the babies, but all children. There have been times people have asked me as a police officer, hey, what's the worst case that you've ever been on? And I know that they are looking for the gory details. They're looking for, you know, how many times have you stepped over a dead body? And can I tell you, the most difficult case, the, the worst case that I've been on has been with children and babies. Why? Because they can't, they can't care for themselves. They rely on you and I. Them are the hardest ones. So when you ask a police officer or a firefighter or or an ambulance driver, worker, EMT, you ask them what the, be careful when you ask them what's the worst case they've been on. Because I'll just be open with you. I've been sent home. You don't know what it's like when you're pulling a three-year-old out of the bottom of a pool. You don't know what it's like when there's a, a, a young couple, they were in the Navy, the the, the dad, he's working all night and, and he comes home and his wife is going to work. They tag team the, the baby off and the dad's been working all night long and he's, he just wants some sleep. 
And so he puts the baby down for a nap. And he puts a little blanket up around the bottle to hold the bottle in the baby's mouth. And he comes, over, comes back into the room when he wakes up. And we've got to tell him, I'm sorry. Your four-month-old baby is no longer with us. Be careful when you ask, what is the most difficult case you've been on? Babies and children, they can't care for themselves. Hey, when was the last time you told your, your, your kid, hey, go feed yourself, and they went, they went ahead and ate their broccoli? Or they brushed their teeth at nighttime or took a bath without you telling them? They depend on you and I to take care of them. But not only the, not only the children, but... What about the homeless and the beggars, the less fortunate than you and I? There was a certain beggar named Lazarus that was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. All over we see those who are homeless or say they're homeless. They're beggars. We don't know how they got into that position. How do you determine who you help and who you don't help? I'm not a proponent for anybody giving money to them, but hey, when was the last time we took a little bag of uh, beef jerky or something that they could eat right then and gave to them and was considered? We don't know how they got that way. I was, I was on patrol one day, and I, and I talked. There was these two ladies that they beg every week at the intersection of Independence and Virginia Beach Boulevard. And so, at that time, begging, you know, they could, they could start begging, but they couldn't be in the intersection, they couldn't be in the street. And I've talked to them. I know how they got in the position that they're in. And there's one lady, there's a guy two lanes over, and he's waving money, and she's, I'm sitting there at, on the other side of the road, and I'm getting ready to make a left, and, and she keeps looking at me, and she's looking at that money, and she's looking at me. And finally, the guy goes to drive off, and he throws the money out the window. And the money blew over to the side of the curb for her. She reached down, picked it up, and then looked at me. And I went, and I talked to her for a few minutes. You know, he was giving her 10 bucks. What about the beggars, those that are a little bit less fortunate than us? We don't know what their need is. We don't know how they got in that position. And I've come across people that claim they're homeless, homeless and I've went to their house for cases because they're not really homeless. A homeless person can make more than you and I. But the some, maybe the less fortunate than you and I, the sick, the weary, the blind, the deaf, or the handicapped, Matthew 4.24, 8.6, Mark 2.4, Luke 5.31. These references are just a few. But we could go on and on and see more. Look, some folks, they may have sicknesses or illnesses that you'll never know. Unless you ask them. And they tell you. Some may be the sinner, the lost, without hope. In Matthew 9, in verse 2, And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. You see, they came for a medical reason, but 
Jesus knew their real need. We go to Bolivia, and I, we, we go to, to help on these medical clinics, and people come, and they, they just want medical, or they want glasses or something, but what's the real need? Every one of them gets a gospel presentation. Because their real need is Christ. And we should never forget that when we're dealing with people. The sinner lost without hope. Matthew 9, 5, Mark 2, 9. There are other passages like this. You see, we're all sinners. But you know what? Every one of us was a whosoever once upon a time. It got every one of us. Jesus said, in Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The sum are those without Christ. You see, if we're going to win people to Christ, if we're going to make disciples, we have to figure out who the sum are. If we, if we can't figure that out, then, then we've got to go back and relook at it again. Another word I want to look at is compassion. And if some have compassion, making a difference. Compassion is defined as a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with the desire to alleviate it. And when I looked up this definition, I found it interesting in my search that the word consciousness was underlined. It's like that was the most important word there. And I think it is. You see, oftentimes we pass by someone and don't give it a second thought. We go by people every day. We don't know what their condition is, but we pass them by. My stepdad, he, he drove a, a hostess bread truck. And we always got the hostess cupcakes and Twinkies and that had been for you, Mark. Uh, and then the cupcakes and all them things. We loved them. But my dad was going, my stepdad, he, he, he was coming home one night after, uh, and we were sitting at the table, and he said, he told us a story about a little boy that was in the store. He said he was, he was getting ready to check out, you know, because they have to check you out and make sure what you delivered there. And, and so while he was standing there waiting for the clerk to get finished with her line of people buying groceries there was this little boy and he was standing in line with his mom he was a little boy and my stepdad said I looked down and this little boy's nose looked like Niagara Falls he said it was just he said I couldn't take it anymore he says I reached down I got my handkerchief out of my pocket and I reached down and I wiped that little boy's nose tell you he saw a need the other side of that story is my stepdad wasn't saved at that time we got people who aren't even Christians don't claim Christianity that are doing more than Christians still having a having a conscious sympathetic desire to eliminate that problem 
wow, if we could only get a hold of that. What, what we could do for Christ if we could just get a hold of that. Compassion. Over and over we can see the Lord had compassion and acted on it. You know, I was, trying to, I was struggling with what I was going to preach tonight. I really don't like being told what I'm going to preach. It just, for me, it's hard. It's, I, I struggle with that. And then a couple times this week, the word compassion was used. And I just kind of mixed a couple of my other messages together for this and, and, and think we need to have compassion for the lost. We need to have compassion for others because we don't know what their condition is. Shouldn't we have compassion on those around us? Those unable to care for themselves? The Bible says in Psalm 86, 15, but, the Lord, but thou, O Lord, are a God full of compassion. Psalm 111, 4 says, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. And yet we come to church every time the doors are open. And my question is, do you leave the same way you came in? I don't know about you, but I'm guilty. I have that problem. When should we start making disciples? I'm thankful we have those in the nursery taking care of those who can't take care of themselves. When you, when you see the children sitting in church who were not long ago in the nursery like Pastor Brown's children, like Brother Wagar's children, that's a good time. That's a good start. When should we think about starting to make disciples? I'm thankful for those who give up Sunday mornings to go and work in the junior church. And then we see them, when they, when they get out of junior church, they are able to come in here and then they can excel. That's a good place to start, don't you think? I'm thankful for the tailors. Look, me and Mark, we, we badger each other all the time. But I'm thankful for the tailors. I'm thankful for the rocks. And the smiths going up there and working with our teens. Hey, that's a good area to start, don't you think? I mean, they are going to be our next generation. They're, they're pretty impressionable at that age. Because in a teen group, what's their next destination? Graduation and out into the world? And if they're not grounded in, the, in, in good Bible doctrine, and where are they going to end up? I'm so thankful we've got a, a, the oldest youth pastor in the world who takes an interest in our kids. I trust my son with him. He's taking him hunting. If, if, if my son says something with Mark Taylor's name on it, I, I know, I, I don't have to worry about it, generally. <laughs> he has an interest in the kids. He takes some things. He, you, have, you, have to, you have to get a hold of them. Be 
Because if you don't, they're going out into that world. And what are they going to take with them? That's a great place to start. When should we start making disciples? I'm thankful for our young adults, the college and career and the leadership that's there. Hey, they're already out there. They're out there facing it. But if they haven't been grounded step by step by step, are they, come, are they coming back? Are they going to try to go somewhere and excel for Christ? Are they, is that their future? Is that their goal? I'm thankful for those that work with them. That's a good place to start. I'm thankful for Pastor Asher and the leadership right here at Good News Baptist Church. And Pastor Coles took a chance on us in 2011, took us to Bolivia. And for them, directing us to go and make disciples. It's a good place to start. It's a good place to be. But it needs to be this full every, or, or more every service. And that's just not during a missions conference. Every service. I got another question for you. Bob Hughes, a missionary who served in the Philippines for, for many years. He argued, why do you need a call when God gave you a command? Yeah, we're commanded five times in the Bible. Matthew 28, 19, Mark 19, 15, Luke 14, 23, Acts 1, 8, John 20, verse 21. You're given a command to go. You should need a call to stay home. The problem is we're not not going anywhere there was a pastor that once upon a time when he first got saved he went and quit his job and he started going to bible college and they're like what are you doing that for he said well i got saved isn't that what you do you get saved you go to bible college you learn something about the ministry and you go and you try to reach people for christ whether it's in church whether it's a mission field whether it's evangelism isn't that what you do we're given a command. We've all heard the stories about mission conferences and how people, they gave of themselves during a mission conference. I was telling pastor at lunch today, I, knew, I know two families, one out of this church and one out of another local church. But Brother LePage He's sitting, we were the last cabinet job that he did, and he was going to prove to me that that cabinet can stay on that wall with one screw in it with him sitting in it. And I was like, yeah, right. So he gets up in that thing, and he's sitting in my cabinet. And we're talking about going to Bolivia. And I said, I don't want to go, to, I don't want to go on deputation. He said, brother, you've got to go on deputation. I said, I don't want to go on deputation. I'm on deputation. But... He was telling me about the time when he and his wife, when they surrendered to the mission field, 
to go back to Guernsey. He's, he said he came down and he, he passed his, the, the plate and he put his faith promise giving in and he went home and God just kept dealing with him. And he, he says later on that week, he, he gave more. And then by the end of the week, he went and told his wife, he says, dear, I think it's time. We got to go back to Guernsey. She said, I know. He said, why didn't you tell me? You could have saved me all that money. There's another family that's over in Bolivia right now from a local church. Same thing. I was taking some stuff over to their house because they were going to Bolivia and I wanted to send it to Brother Robert. And, and I was talking with his wife and she was, she was telling me how that her husband worked on uh, roofs and he was working with the Spanish crew and everything. And one day he's just, he's overwhelmed and he says, it's, it, I think it's time. God's wants us to go to Bolivia. She says, I know. Again, there's somebody else. I've come to this conclusion. The reason why we don't take the first step without our wives telling us it's because we're the breadwinners, aren't we? And we don't want to fail our wife. We don't want her to think we're making a bad decision, right? But God's, God's given us five times a command to go. Wow, that should be what we're, that should be our direction. You know why I, this little bit of black monology here. We have plenty of missionaries and people sitting in pews all the time says, Lord, I'm willing. Lord, I'm willing. When was the last time you said, Lord, I'll go? Now, black chronology is this. Lord, I'm willing. Okay. Lord, I'll go. That gets rid of anything between you and God. You and your service. Now listen, I'm, I'm with you. You're sitting there, I, I couldn't be a missionary. Yeah, I know. God might not call everybody to be a missionary or an evangelist or a pastor. But when was the last time you said, Lord, I'll go? And you got rid of anything between you and God that would hinder your service for Christ. And, and I just think that the reason why people don't say, Lord, I'll go, is because I'm 58 years old trying to learn another language. Try it. But look, just get to the point where you say, Lord, I'll go. If he, if he says, that's the direction I want you, then go. If he doesn't, you stay right where you are, being faithful right here to our pastor. But when, when, when are we going to say, Lord, I'll go? If we're going to make disciples, it might just mean, hey, Pastor Asher, um, can I go visiting with you on Tuesday night or whatever night you go? If we're going to make disciples, it might be going across the street to your neighbor who watches you get up every Sunday morning and get ready for church and drive out the driveway and you've never spoke to him. 
that might be your, that might be your goal. I want to show you some of, some of the sum. Can we, can we pull them up? This is some of the sum. This is my people right here. Can you go to the next one? That lady wanted me to hold her kid, her baby. I don't know why. I don't know what I got myself into. But what, what if she just said, hey, I want you to hold my baby. <laughs> Not me. What kind of compassion am I having? Can we go to the next one? This is Diego. I'm just a white guy that played him in foosball. Every time that guy saw me this last time on the trip, hey, will you play foosball with me? In Spanish, of course. And I played foosball. I'm no better than anybody else, but he came to church. He's running the streets. He goes home when he wants to. He's who we should have compassion on. Go to the next one. This girl here. Is she going to be one that you're like, can't talk to her. She looks like she's a little bit handicapped. She was. Sometimes it's called coming out of our comfort zone. For her. And the next one. Cristobal. He's 40 years old. He came to the clinic. He walks everywhere on his hands. You can't see his legs because they're only this long. He goes everywhere on his hands. I was sitting there next to him. He said, what's your phone number? I said, I said I'm calling you from the States. That's expensive. He said, we got WhatsApp. I said, I don't have WhatsApp. I don't know what that thing is. He said, here's my phone number. So he starts giving me his phone number. I got his phone number in my phone. He says, would you call me when you come back? And the next one, please. He's been in church every Sunday since we had that last clinic in July. How does he get to church? He walks on his hands. Coming down a dirt road. Where we're at, where we, 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 we're in Bolivia and, and, and we, we might live there in the city area. But where we work, it's dirt roads, it's paths. Some of you go hunting on those kind of paths. Here he is. Walking down the path, coming to church. He's the psalm. Shouldn't we have compassion? The next one, please. 
there's three there's there's right now there's two other church areas that we're working with they speak Guadanese we bought the last 50 Bibles in Bolivia in, in, in the area there we bought the last 50 Bibles in their language you see her name is Celadonia wouldn't it be something if we came to church and I, I've got several Bibles I've got two on the needs list wouldn't it be something if we came to church and the only person that had a Bible in our language was the pastor? She says, if I could only, hurl, if I could only hold the Bible, it was just at the last time, it was, it was just at the right time, we had just bought the last 50 Bibles and had called that pastor up and said, hey, we want to get some Bibles to you. She has a home in heaven because she is now holding her first and only Bible. They don't make them in Bolivia anymore. If we want to get that Bible, it would take us two years, and we could only buy them in lots of 10,000. So we met on the second week of July. We, we met with the publisher of that Bible there in Bolivia at a coffee shop. Said, we want the printing rights. That way we can print that Bible right there in Bolivia and get them to the people at a faster pace. Last night, I got a message from Brother Robert. They're going to give us the printing rights so we can get the Bible into more hands of the people. I don't speak that way. I, I got one out there on the table. Go by and look at it. I can't read that. We use an interpreter. But look, she's on her way to heaven. Why? Because somebody had compassion and bought the last 50 Bibles and was able to get one in her hands. <laughs> yeah. We can say that we want to make disciples. And we can say we can have compassion on these that I've pointed out. And believe it or not, these are, the, these are the easy ones. What about the ones that aren't so nice? Like the one that cuts you off? Or Robert was in, just got in the pulpit a month ago. It was a, the pastor's conference over in Bolivia. He just gets in the pulpit and they hear this crash out in front of his church. And a drunk driver hit the back of Robert's truck, hit two other vehicles and a light pole. Now, I'd be kind of upset myself. He's in the pulpit. He can't be upset. He's going to stay there. The Bolivian police came and they came on a motorcycle. Said, all right, well, we're going to arrest him. Well, how does he get to jail? Oh, Brother Elsie took him in Robert's crashed-up truck. Took him to jail. He's got to have a breath test. It costs to take a breath test in Bolivia. This guy don't have the money because he done drank it up. Guess who paid the breath test? Yeah, the missionaries. Robert's paid for his own truck to get repaired right now. That guy would be a hard one to have compassion on, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, Robert's got the deed to the guy's house now. But what's he going to do? Go kick his family out? No. He fixed his own truck. And the family before was not, he took him a Bible. Took him a Bible. The guy was in prison. He's still there. For this, Robert takes, takes a Bible and said, would you, would you give this to your husband in prison? That's having compassion. But we're so far removed because we're at another level. Oh, no. Oh, but the grace of God, we'd be the one that was doing the crashing in. By the grace of God, we might be the one walking on our hands. But what's it going to take for us to see the need? The Bible says, and if some have compassion, making a difference. I don't know about you, but I just think we need to get past the Lord I'm willing and say, Lord, I'll go and see what he does. You don't have to have a Bible scholar education and all that stuff to to go and you can be a help to a missionary on the field. I'm I'm just going to be a help to the missionary on the field. We have a pastor, we have an assistant pastor, we have a music pastor, we have a youth pastor, not so youth, but we have a youth pastor, and we've, we've got all these helps for our pastor. When you go to the field as a missionary, you're it. So we said, we're going. We're going to be a help. We're going to be the gopher guy. Whatever he needs. Sunday school? Okay. Preaching? Okay. Sweep? Yeah. So we have a medical clinic, and we're going to have uh, the food brought in and everything else, and, and we're doing it in this nasty school. Brother Robert says, hey, Mike, can you go up and straighten up them rooms up there because we're going to eat in them rooms. Nasty. Hey, I'll do that. I'll do that. You don't need, you don't need an education to be a helper for a missionary on the field. But when was the last time you said, Lord, I'll go? Would you bow your heads with me, please? If we could only get that idea somewhere deep inside, Lord, I'll go. Lord, I'll go. But maybe tonight, you're here and you can't say I'll go because you've never said I'm willing maybe you're here tonight and you can't say Lord I'm willing because you're playing church maybe you're not on your way to heaven but you can be Jesus paid the penalty for every one of us in here the Bible says God commended this love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That got every one of us in here. Maybe that's you tonight. I don't know. But that's, 
if we're going to make disciples, let's start right there with our own hearts. You're not going to heaven because you go to church here. Because your mom and dad brought you to church someday. But what, what is it for you? Are you 100% sure you're saved tonight? Or do you have some doubts? You might say, Brother Mike, I'm 99% sure I'm on my way to heaven. And I will tell you that I'm 100% sure that you need to get saved tonight because 99% won't do it. You have to be 100% sure. So the questions tonight, one, are you saved? Are you on your way to heaven? Two, have you even said, Lord, I'm willing yet? And three, get rid of any barrier between you and God's service in your life to go and say, Lord, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll go. And if that just means stay right here and support and be faithful to my pastor, that's what I'll do. But Lord, I'll go. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.